Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, observations of life, written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. We're good. We're gathered here in the TV studio, the senior scribblers, and we'll do our rounds so you'll know and recognize the voices as we do our readings for the program that'll be airing during January 2024. Where did 23 go? Oh, my. (laughs) It has gone the way of all other years that have preceded it, many recent ones of which we are glad to be rid of. And sitting to the studio left of me. Happy New Year. This is Faith Flaherty. Hello, I'm uh, Bill Wiley. Hi, everybody. Alice Judge. And I'm Peter Jay. Hey there. And this is Susan Gorey. Hello. And Susan, I hear you got a poem for us today. Let's let's start with that. All right. Uh, The title of it is Celestial Light. Why must we put away the tree this year and pull the plug on its celestial light? Why must we pack the tinsel and the cheer that keeps away the darkness of the night? Why must the peace of this beloved season be shelved like some discarded children's toy? Why must goodwill defer like solemn reason that says the world is not a place for joy? The faith and love that we all hold so dear is meant to last until this time next year. Wow. That was all right. Why didn't you say that you may not be able to get... I thought it was some sad, emo- emotional it lament. It was fun. It was very nice. Yeah. Very good reflection. I felt its celestiality. <laughs> it was one that was very nice. It was yes, wonderful. Yes, yes. Perfect. Well done, Susan. Well done. Very okay. good. Good. Let me go. Let me go. Let me all go. Right. Me, me, me. We'll me. let you go. We'll let you go. We'll let you go. Okay. I had a friend who once said that if he ever lived to be 80 years old, he was going to start drinking, drugging, and having unprotected sex. (laughs) Over time, I lost contact with that friend, and I wonder if he ever made it to 80, never mind if he ever got his wishes. (laughs) But I have another friend who's in his 40s and has been diagnosed with amyloidosis. This is a life-threatening disease where his body is producing too much protein. His philosophy is quite different. He plans to live out the rest of his life as if he were dying, which he is. He travels as much as he can afford. He's writing a book, and now he's on his second. He's making friends everywhere. He has forgiven everyone for whatever. Life is too short to hold grudges. He's learning to play new songs on his guitar. Which philosophy will you choose to live in 2024? Do you know there's a song written by Tim Nichols and sung by Tim McGraw entitled, Live Like You Were Dying? The lyrics say it best. When it sank in that this might really be the real end, how's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what you do? And he says... I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I've been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. It seems to me that my friend who is an 80-year-old wannabe is very self-gratifying. He'll be too drunk and drugged to enjoy it. (laughs) Living like I'm going to die 
is the better philosophy. And that's my 2024 New Year's resolution. I'm living deeper and sweeter. Like nice. I'm dying tomorrow. <laughs> nice. Mm. A lot of truth to that Good. one. Yeah. My flight instructor, I've told you often, he taught me to fly when he was 86. <laughs> he, he flew in World War II, and following that war, he flew Von Monroe's band all over the U.S. Oh. In, in a DC-9. That was his day job. And retired at 86, he was still flying, and the pact I made with him was... I said, take care of my airplane. I tossed him a set of keys. Do with it what you will. Enjoy it. And, in the, and I bought the airplane before I knew how to fly. And so he <laughs> taught me to fly. In the, in the end process, I ended up saving about $7,000 in, in flight school instruction. So sure. it was a good deal for both of us. Yep. But Norman, dear Norman, who his idea of fun was to jump on his Harley and drive to Florida or across the Trans-Canadian <laughs> Highway for chuckles. Uh, Norman told me his goal was to live to, live to the age of 140 and get shot by a jealous husband. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to Sam Cook, but he wasn't 140. <laughs> <laughs> but Norman was active all the way to the end. He now, lived well into his 90s. When did he die? Uh, deep, uh, deep into his 90s, mm. riding his motorcycle. Riding his well, motorcycle. Wasn't was an accident? What, um, you know, the flying and the motorcycle, probably uh, the excitement of it made him live longer. Uh, absolutely. Instead of sitting uh, at home. Mm -hmm. Got to keep moving. Yeah. You got a poem for yeah. us, Bill? Yeah, yeah I got a, a love poem, of course. <laughs> My poem is called Dancing in the Moonlight. Dancing in the moonlight, dancing all around, it is with you that I will be found. I dream of my sweet darling, such a gorgeous lady that you are. You bring me such, so much joy. You are my shining star. The lady that I love, the lady I need so bad, you will never make me sad. I will love you in the morning when the sun is shining bright. I will love you in the nighttime when the moon shines its light. But, oh, my darling, it is you I adore. I will love you forever in that sexy dress you wore. But whatever you do, my love will just go on. We will make sweet love till the black of night is gone. Mm -hmm. That one came out pretty good, I thought. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you got something for us, Alice? I do. By the time you hear my voice, it will be a new year, so happy 2024. Seems like it was just yesterday I was saying happy 2023. Time does fly when you're having fun. I've gone to many New Year's parties in the past, as everyone has. They can be fun. I was 20 and hung out with these girls and guys all the time, so the idea of a party was not new to us. When talk turned to New Year's Eve, we decided that we'd have a party, but it would start at midnight. We would dress in fancy clothes. We always partied in the basement of one of the guy's parents, so the place to party was never a problem. That was fun, and I remember it with um, happiness. Another time, I was invited over a friend's house for a New Year's weekend. 
and they had invited neighbors in to celebrate. After a while, people stopped talking, stopped eating, and we were waiting for the ball to drop, and it wouldn't for several hours. I wanted to go to bed. Probably the neighbors did, too. There are people, I suppose, that live to party at New Year's Eve. If we turn on the TV, they are all at Times Square in New York, wearing 2024 eyeglasses, waiting for the ball to drop. It's not a place for claustrophobics. I did some research on the ball last night, and it seems like there were two guys. One was an electrician for the New York Times that decided they should drop this ball. And it was because of the place across the way, across the street, that always dropped a ball at 12 noon. So that's kind of the history of the ball and why we dropped the ball. I got curious about what celebrities say about New Year's Eve and the New Year, because after all, the New Year is more than the party welcoming it in. So I went uh, to the Internet. I went to my friend Google, and I found this. Now, Benjamin Franklin, we can certainly uh, identify with. Be at war with your vices, at peace with your neighbors, and let every new year find you a better person. That was Ben Franklin. This is Oprah, who everybody quotes. Cheers to a new year and another chance for us to get it right. Celebrate endings, for they precede new beginnings. And then uh, we writers will appreciate this by Brad Paisley. New year is this first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. Santa! Santa! Merry Christmas! (laughs) Hey, look at you. Bearing gifts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Bearing gifts. Wow. And his elf, Nancy. Santa. (laughs) I'm I'm holding a very, very large box of chocolates. Yes. Should I pass it around? And the half-life of that box of chocolates is going to be a very small number. A small number. Wow. I didn't know I came that. That's a lot of chocolate. To set the stage again, Susan is in on the phone, remotely joining us. Uh, Frank and Nancy have joined us, Susan, in case you couldn't gather. And Frank has got a Santa Claus cap on. And, of course, he has very naturally done kind of the Santa's beard anyway. So Frank is a better Santa than Santa. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. The original. The other guy. Do that... How does he do it? How does he do it? Now, yeah. are you Santa every year, Frank? Uh, probably since uh, uh, in 1994. I left the baking industry where I could not have a beard. Uh, so since 1994, uh, uh, yes. And if you, any of you remember the train rides out of Forge Park, yes. Yeah. I was a Santa Claus in, in some of those train rides along with Mrs. Claus. And uh, the kids from the high school handed out coloring books, and they were dressed as Frosty the Snowman. 
mm-hmm. and they were dressed as other. And they had, do you remember the John Hancock songbooks? Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yep. And they, they, they would sing songs mm-hmm. in, the tra- in the cars that I wasn't in. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the whole thing about the train ride was having your picture taken with Santa Claus. Right. right. And uh, and I have always taken great Santa Claus pictures. <laughs> Indeed. You could go from Bangor, Maine, uh, to when I was uh, traveling on ships, and I would sit in the hot tub with my red suit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and people would hang over the balcony to take my picture. <laughs> so it turns out, Santa, that I returned... This year, I gave myself a writing challenge, and that challenge was to follow up on a piece written back in 1897 by Frank Church for the New York Sun. A lot of people know the story of, yes, Virginia. And so I thought I would return to Frank's uh, missive, and I will uh, read parts of it. I'll I'll shorten it a bit. And then I wrote a response, a follow-on to that. Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except what they see. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible to their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant, in his intellect as compared with the boundless world around him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus, you might as well not believe in fairies. No Santa Claus, thank God he lives. And he lives forever, a thousand years from now. No Virginia Ten times 10,000 years from now, he will continue. He will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. But Church's Santa story is not over. Now, Frank wrote that piece, oddly enough, in September of that year. Uh, the background is, yes, Virginia sent him a query about, is there a Santa Claus? And her friends were claiming there wasn't. So it was very early fall when he wrote it. So here is my follow-on. Yes, Jenny. Jenny, your little friends are wrong. While skeptics may argue their doubts regarding the existence of Santa, there are likewise good reasons to believe, to know that Santa is real. He is as real as the warming sun, and just as you can feel the sun's warmth, even on the coldest days, you can feel the glow of Santa's warmth as well. Whenever you may wish, wherever you chance to be, and however you so choose to embrace his goodly spirit. 
Yes, Jenny, there is a Santa Claus. Across the centuries, Santa has been there. <clears throat> Across the centuries, Santa has been there for children everywhere as a jolly countenance, a timeless exemplar of niceness above naughtiness. He reminds us annually that good can and must prevail against the travails of our world. Not believe in Santa Claus? You might as well not believe in fairies. True, there are Santa naysayers whose hearts can run cold. Indifferent to the darker conditions that beset these times, they deny their own light, a light to be kindled within each of us. Here present is the Santa imperative. He is the quintessence of that most festive light of goodwill, a supernal light of charity rekindled each year to rid the darkest days and uplift our better spirits. Some say that nobody can see Santa Claus, but that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. Some say Santa is everywhere. Better said, he is never far away. In point of fact, he is near and dear to our giving hearts as a simple Christmas wish and deed, joining others in joy and peace and sharing the fullness and sharing the fulgent yet unseeable beauty of this season, this life. Yes, Jenny, we may open our eyes and gaze upon Santa's good works as we so choose. Better still, by opening our generous hearts to humanity, humility, wonder and whimsy, enchantment, lyric lore, faith, hope, and yes, charity, we discover a most profound truth. Santa's gift of love for each child grows with and within that child, as love received in childhood is then so given, shared, and shared again tenfold throughout that child's life. And dear Ginny, in that magical moment of giving, joy abides. Through giving moments across centuries gone and centuries yet to be, Santa lives on. His Christmas spirit finds those givers of the heart. As we embrace Santa's spirit, he in turn embraces us, young and old alike in fullest measure. And gladly we all become Santa, jolly, merry, real, and true. <clears throat> well done. Yeah. Very nice. Excellent. Excellent. Very nice. Um, yeah, so we're in the end of the year, looking into the new year. It's a time of reflection on what happened looking going forward. Uh, data point as well that coincidentally this particular year, it was the 40th anniversary of my mother passing. Just kind of staggered us that it was already 40. <laughs> it seemed like yesterday and yet 40. Where did time go? Anyway, we talked about that. I don't think there's anything else specifically you need to know. You'll find out as we go through this. So two parts, treasure the moment. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and 40 years have passed since you left us. Yet you continue watching over us, reminding us to treasure the moment. Here today, this residence is empty, ready for some other family to enjoy their daily life, their celebrations, creating new memories to treasure the moment. There are folding chairs to add to the circle in the living room of the new house, where conversation ebbs and flows and games are played 
to treasure the moment. Someone remarks of a time when, and we all go there, in that instant, the thread meanders as the sparks fly, triggering other treasures of the moment. The baby is passed around. Everyone gets their turn, gooing, eyeing. Baby talk is a universal language in that time before words to treasure the moment. The family tree continues to grow. Some branches end, others expand. A family collaboration brings forth an updated document to help treasure the moment. Part two. 28 years later, this residence is empty for Thanksgiving. All action takes place in the new dwelling, enabling the new residents to treasure the moments. Sitting on the stairs, recarpeted while we were here, the sounds of the house are different. There are echoes now to treasure the moment. A singular brown leaf remains plastered to the sky view window in the new residence. Visible as I roll back the shade, bending to stretch and treasure the moment. Houses couldn't exist without doors to enter or leave, windows to let in light and air, and then there's the sound pattern to treasure the moment. These windows and storm doors are less soundproof than what we had. The folks around us seem so much closer they're perhaps eager to treasure the moment. Boxes, multiple sizes, full and heavy, now emptied, flattened, recycled, leaving behind the contents here and there in a new spot to help us treasure the moment. Hold on, Sherlock. Did you feel that cloud of uncertainty dissipate? The shift was slight but noticeable. My t-shirt supply has been shelved, so I can now treasure the moment. <laughs> it's the little things in life. <laughs> I was going to say, what I like about that one a lot is I think it's something that becomes more and more profound for all of us, more significant to all of us, you know, as we go through the decades, and the need to realize that now is the most important part of time that we're experiencing and living in the moment and treasuring the moment. Going back to the first one, right? right? Mm -hmm. The reason to be, you know, living as if you were dying, right? Right, right. yes. Exactly. Yeah. We did not plan that together. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the serendipity the of that, that is just the amazing piece. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. The, what you just said, you know, the serendipity. It, Whatever we um, write, and we haven't, um, uh, what am I trying to say? It all kind of uh, just gels all together, mm -hmm. like the perfect recipe. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a little preview briefly here before we say goodbye, and just note that the next piece I've already started writing is on Putter Day. Putter Day. <laughs> Putter Day is my ersatz holiday Yes. on January the 1st. It, yeah, part of the reason why I did that is that it happened by accident. And by the way, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary of Putter Day, which began in 2014. 
And it came to me when we were just starting to put together this studio, this building. The very building. Right. In 2014, I came in here to do something on January the 1st. I was going to meet a friend of mine here, and we were going to remove some old furniture we didn't need anymore and take it down to another place that could use it. So that was our January 1st task. Lo and behold, who showed up to help out without even being asked and who didn't know was Ken Norman. Ah. So Ken showed up, and I showed up, and both of us looked at each other and go, what are you doing here in unison? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so, but it, it sort of began a discussion about the nature of January 1st and wanting to get a jump on the new year by actually doing something constructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people <laughs> spend their New Year's Day recovering from the festivities the night before. Right. Yeah. A hangover. So <laughs> I thought, well, you know, if we could fix something, if we could do something, if we could take some type of affirmative step forward on New Year's Day, that mm-hmm. could be the cause for the holiday. Right. Uh, so... So that's what started what began as a rolling gag, mm-hmm. which I have now applied within, with deeper and deeper earnestness every right. year. You didn't need a great singular objective. You just needed to do something and put around doing something that's else. That's it. That's <laughs> it right there. So now my goal is to move from the zip code to the world. <laughs> so what's your plan for Putter Day this January 1st? The good news is, I have no idea. <laughs> He's going to go with the flow. In, 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 you know, in the last resort, I can always go to the honeydew list. Okay. Right? Yeah. There's always that thing kicking around the house. What's the honeydew? You honeydew this, honeydew honey that. Do <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew what you meant, yeah. <laughs> That's, what's, that's what happens when you stay home. That's right. This, exactly. is, this is true, yes. yes. So, so, yes, I've, I've already started crafting some language around Putter Day's 10th anniversary on January the 1st. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm now looking for language. Like when you say Merry Christmas mm-hmm. or Happy Fourth of July, you know, what do I say? You know, have a productive Putter Day. I, <laughs> you could say have putting. a fun, fun <laughs> putter day. We're all going to have right. a putter day January 1st. Yeah. That's right. Come have up a with a fun few putter words day. that makes good alliteration. Have a good yeah, putter know, day. I'm working on that. Enjoy your putter day. Indeed. Thank you all. Stay healthy. Continue to fight those doing the good things. Right. And don't forget, a productive, prolific putter day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> PPP. This was, and is, and remains, and will be, Steve Sherlock. See you again, Faith Flaherty. I'm Bill Wiley. Susan Borey. I'm Peter J. Puttering Along. I'm Alice Judge. Have a nice holiday, and God bless us all. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. Until the next time, I'm Peter J. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaning, experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write. This is FPR, Franklin Public Radio.